Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for Hey, good morning, guys. This is Behind the Beards. Uh, we're going to pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and reveal the things um, that you need to know about the people who are called to lead your churches and your ministries. Uh, I am Joshua Fowler, a preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My partner on the other side of the screen is youth minister in Topeka, Kansas, uh, but a good friend and a great brother, Aaron Partlow. Aaron, what's going on this morning, man? This morning, it is a great morning. Uh, if I could do this podcast from the front porch, Josh, I I would be there with my feet up, drinking iced coffee um, outside in this beautiful Oregon-like weather is what it feels like. You don't get Oregon-like weather in Kansas. Uh, you don't get Oregon-like so, weather often. in Baton Rouge either, unless you consider just simply hot, humid, muggy, and rainy um, Oregon weather. <laughs> well, that's not true. Like... In the winter in Oregon, it rains a lot, so you're just wet all the time. And when I was in Baton Rouge, I just when I was outside, I just felt like I was wet all the time. So I mean, <laughs> that's right, you're sweating. So uh, it's almost uh, the same. My Jeep is still yeah. drying out uh, from when I got caught in a storm. <laughs> I guess uh, last week, you know, it rains here pretty regularly, like daily, um, most of the time. And and I wait for a nice little lull, and then I can kind of make it home and. Uh, uh, it was it was a big thunderstorm kind of rolling, and I thought, all right, I got a little window here, I can make it home. It's just drizzling a little bit, so I start, yeah. So I start making my way home, and this crack of lightning hits, and it just it starts raining sideways. I mean, I was, oh, I no. was soaked. All my cup holders were full of water. <laughs> um, <laughs> it stopped, I had to stop and get gas. A lady had run out of gas, and so she's trying to push her car up the incline of the of the gas station entrance. Um, oh. I was like, ah, I'm already soaking wet. What's a little more rain? So uh, I ran out and helped her push <laughs> in. Um, so it was it was fun, right? One of the fun times of driving a Jeep. I usually have windows with That's me, so, so I can kind of close them up if I need to. Um, but I was, uh, I was toast, man. There was no going back. <laughs> uh, Yikes. Yeah. That's a nightmare. That's funny. That, that happened to my aunt. She she came to visit us from uh, California, and she was at Walmart. She's like, it's raining so much. And so I called her. I said, hey, I said, just go back inside and shop for like five, six minutes and, and come back, and it'll stop. She's like, oh, no, this, this rain's going to last forever. And I was like, no, literally, like, just sit down and enjoy it for a couple minutes. Um, and she didn't, and she got soaked. And as soon as she got to the car, it stopped raining and she called me back. She's like, I didn't listen. I walked to the car and it was raining so much. And you know, now it's, it's not raining at all. And I was like, yeah, welcome to Kansas, welcome uh, to Kansas. where we rain hard and give out early. Like we're just done. Yeah. It so, does. Uh, like it kind of just funny hits storms, crashes down and then poof, it moves out. They have a name for them here. The weathermen call them bubblers. I guess because they bubble up in the afternoon Bubbles. from uh, the sun and the heat. Rain a little bit. Bring just enough mm -hmm. rain to bring the humidity up because 
you know, 85, 90% humidity isn't, isn't humid enough. Uh, we need a little spot here to make us uh, more humid. Uh, but it's good, man. It's summertime. Kids got a, got a week of school under their belt. We're looking at a, oh, we talked last week a little bit. Have your on. kids started, started? Yeah. Yeah. They started a week ago. They've been in a week and a half, I guess. So half, uh, half online, half in school. Um, it works. It's kind of the nature of the beast, I guess. So, um, they're adapting, trying to figure out the online stuff. Heather started back with her classes this week, <coughs> uh, all mostly online and then, uh, clinicals in the hospital. So nice. Yeah. The life of, uh, that's awesome. I've, um, well, this week I've turned into something a little bit. She's got something for class all week. Every day this week, she's got to be in class for, you know, the fun times of, of getting into class where you've already read the syllabus once or twice, and then the teacher gets to come into class and read you the syllabus again. So um, it's like, why are we doing this? Oh, I know. I know. I hated syllabus day. That's like, that was like the, I always wanted to skip, but then like, I always knew it would like count against me or something. Yeah. Like who knows, right? I like those teachers who are like, yeah, and here's your syllabus and uh, you were supposed to read this. And so uh, we're going to start the first four chapters of the book. Hopefully you read, yeah. so you like walk in and you're already behind in your reading. Or, or what I liked even more were the teachers that said, here's college your, was crazy. Here's your syllabus. Now you may go because I'm not going to read it to you you're grown figure it out all oh, right if you have any questions ask your classmates because i'm not answering questions about the syllabus <laughs> bye that's right yeah I'm trying to think uh that kind of it's leads pretty us. straightforward it is turn in work you get grades that's right um <laughs> you know kind of takes us to what we're, we're talking about here today why didn't they teach us about this in school um you know there's been some times you know oh, in ministry goodness. i don't know about you sometimes where i felt super prepared super adequate at, uh, at the task at hand. And then there's mm. been those moments where I've looked and said, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, I don't belong here. And this is not what they, um, prepared me for in ministry of any kind. So, um, anything you remember right. most about being in school, what, anything that you've like used and said, yes, this is what it's all about. Oh man. <sighs> My most useful, like, what did I use in class? That's a really good question. I guess when I really think about that, like, um, there was a couple things that were really useful to me. Um, I, I fondly remember when I think of college, I remember Dr. Baird's classes at uh, Oklahoma Christian. Uh, that's where I attended. And then, um, well, that's where you attend. That's where we attended. But anyway, I, I remember his classes and I loved his classes because they were so um, conversational. Um, and I think a lot of ministry is like navigating and getting through conversations and, uh, being able to do that well. Uh, and so that was really, that was really helpful to me, uh, was to sit through all of these classes about different things. Um, but I think one of the, the, the best classes that I took from him, and I'm trying to think of what the actual title of the class was, um, and it's just not coming to me. But basically, I mean, we talked about uh, it was an ethics class. That's that's I don't know why I couldn't think of the word ethics. Ethics but and evidence. It was Christian services. ethics. Yeah. And 
And it was a lot of reading for that class because you had to read one, the secular view, but then you also had to read, um, you know, the uh, Christian uh, view as well. And then we would just sit down and in class and uh, he would, he would talk about both sides. And then the last part of class, we would just talk. Okay. What do you guys think? And he would play. Dr. Baird is the best devil's advocate that I have ever seen. Um, I mean, he just like, you you can never tell where he's at or what he's going to be talking about or, or where he actually falls. I mean, I think he did tell us usually at the end of class where he personally felt about it too, which was always nice. I do always have a pet peeve of a teacher you know, never tells you what they actually think. Well, you're an adult. You need to decide for you. Yes, but um, I would like to know your opinion, please. Um, <laughs> That's right. Um, but anyway, I am, I am in so this that class was really helpful. You for a reason, uh, so. <laughs> yes, I am paying a lot of money for this class, so right. please tell me what you think. Stop giving me just all the information. What about you? Anything? Anything else stick out to you? Um, well, that's a second ago. This little dude right here, Epic, from, uh, I think it's uh, Robert Gregg. Yes. You know, he was a, a minister out there in Yukon. Um, and, you know, the Epic, the story God is telling. It's a, you know, it's a little book. Um, you can read through it in probably just a couple of hours. Um, but I remember hmm. reading that and just being completely... Like in the moment, reading that, going, man, this is really good stuff. As it talked about who we are, as people of story, um, yeah. But I think advanced homiletics. What I have found after the fact. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't realize Ronnie White. You know, he was the adjunct professor there. He was, you know, a minister in the Dallas Fort Worth area at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and he came up. We had taken homiletics, which was basically how you construct the sermon. And we had to preach like three times in that class, which was which was fun. But then advanced homiletics, if I remember correctly, the only requirement with, for that class was to show up at your assigned time and preach. And I remember him saying, the only excuse for you not showing up at your assigned time is if you are dead. And even then, I'll need a doctor's note. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, you know, to, to get this in your mind, I said, it doesn't matter what you've had going on through the week. Sunday's coming and it comes every week like clockwork. Um, yeah. And you may have to do three or four funerals in a week. You may have to do several weddings in a week. You may have all kinds of things going on. Um, but in this, you're not going to switch. You're assigned to time and you make it uh, because you're going to have come a time in your ministry where you're just going to have to show up and give the people a word from God. Um and uh, that, to me, having, you know, kind of gone through this, there's been those moments, right, where I've just been like, dude, I am not prepared for this uh, because of the things that have transpired over the week. Um, but I can't call somebody on Sunday morning and say, hey, uh, can we switch? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still that. Right. Yeah. That requiring that expectation. So, you know, that's been something that. That to me, that mindset and that and that thought process has been uh, uh, just really, really helpful as I've kind of gone along. So, um, yeah, for sure. There's some things that maybe I didn't appreciate enough as we kind of went along. 
Uh, we talked a little bit before we started here about that intro to ministry class, right? Um, there's a right? lot of things in that yeah. class that I go back and think about now, and it's like, man, I really should have paid more attention. Um, you know, and Josh Kincaid kind of led ours. Better notes. I, <laughs> I should have kept notes, maybe. <laughs> I don't. There's some notes I have. I yeah, wish that I'd thrown away. Been good too. And, and, and some notes that I don't have that uh, would be really. What nice. did I use my laptop for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. That's uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I have a funny story about all of my notes um, from college. So I got to start. I got to start ministry with uh, with nothing. Um, so my junior year, um, we uh, I was going to get married, and so I, we were. I was putting all my stuff in storage. You know, I I didn't I didn't live there. I wasn't from there, so I had accumulated a lot of stuff that I got to put in storage for the summer because I'm never there in the summer because I was doing internships or going back to Oregon or whatever. So all of my Bible books, all of my notes, all of my material that I cherished and loved, and all that kind of stuff that I was like, okay, this is going to be really useful when I get into ministry. Well, something happened, and. Um, they just broke into the storage unit and stole everything. All they left was this nasty couch uh, that I had in there. They stole everything. Uh, and so, which I know, like, they just looked through it and were like, oh, this is all junk and threw it in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> um, so I, I actually lost, like, four years of college notes and books and everything. Um, all, all, all gone. Um, so all I had left were uh, the stuff from my senior year, um, which was pretty funny. Hilarious now. But um, so I guess like like something that I uh, I appreciate from from college is being able to go back and look over uh, some of the handouts, some of the stuff that I had worked on that I had. Um, it's really useful and, and really nice to have. I think the the biggest the biggest underappreciated part I would think of my schooling um, has to be the community aspect. Um, I think it's, it, I don't think it's really easy for a, a youth minister or for a preacher to find community. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just talking about that with, with somebody and I can't even remember. I feel like I talk about it a lot, but a place where um, a place where you don't have to be the youth minister, uh, you know, uh, and, and as you, Josh, like, you know, a place where you don't have to be, you're not known as the preacher. You're, you're just known as Josh. Um, and, you know, that that title comes with a lot of weight. And it could also, you know, comes with quite a bit of a burden. And sometimes you just need to, you know, be around friends or be around people who just see you as you. And, and uh, college really allows you to do that. You're not in ministry fully yet. You're being prepared for it, but um, but that community is really strong. And hopefully, if you go to higher education of, of whatever sort, you create and build this community that you can use uh, over the next, you know, years and years and years and years. Or hopefully you find a ministry job where you can walk into uh, a community of preachers or youth ministers. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal, right? And finding a place where you just 
you know, for me, it's a sports officiating. It's probably now. a whole other episode. Uh, probably so. Um, mm-hmm. But it is part of what, um, you know, I think about Josh Kincaid bringing in uh, Richard and Gina Lynn May. Um, and at the time, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, this is a, a, a former minister and his wife. And I knew them, but it didn't, like, click, like, kind of what was going on until he's talking about what it is to be a minister and then she at the end asks a question she goes so what do you do when your minister has an affair or when your minister husband has an affair and she starts like (laughs) grilling him with these questions and it got super uncomfortable you know in that classroom um and then she gets up and she tells her story you know my husband had a mistress and her name was the church um the church took precedent over uh you know everything else in our lives it took precedent over me over our family over our kids over holiday meals um and uh you know so they began telling their story about how they kind of got through some things um and i don't think i really appreciated that in the moment um as much as i did later on Mm -hmm. as you started kind of seeing those stresses and and pressures because you've always kind of thought yeah you know ministry work it's got to be perfect for for raising a family um it's flexible (laughs) <laughs> everything in church life is concerned about you and your and your wife and your kids and, and they are um but the stress and the pressure are so radically different from the things we experience other places that um even though they tried to prepare us in some of those ways for it um i was uh i was not really ready uh for that kind of when it came about um there's been um i'm trying to think if there's like any specific you know, moments uh, that I remember. One of them I, I shared last week with uh, Dr. Harrison, you know, and him completely bursting my ego bubble uh, with uh, with some hard truth. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's any, like, specific right. moments in my schooling where I have these kind of aha moments. Um, you have any of those that kind of stick out? I have, yeah, I do. I have, so one of those like special moments for me actually came from uh, one of my internships. Um, You know, last week I talked about these sweet old lying ladies. They tend to disappear and they morph and turn into hard truth ladies. And I had a lady at a church and I preached a sermon one time and she came up to me and handed me a list of words. They were a list of words that I had made up. <laughs> it was like five words. She's like, these are not words. And uh, if you're going to preach, um, you need to learn how to use real words uh, and not make up words. And I just was like, I was like, and I was I was like, that's really like rough. That's really mean. Um, and I think I said that to her. I said something to along those lines. I was like, wow, that's really critical. I hope that you listen to the rest of the lesson. She said, she said, sweetie, you had a great lesson. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to make it in ministry, you've got to be more like rubber. She said, because <laughs> I'm a nice old lady and there's some mean people and some angry people. And they're going to come at you with some angry words and judgments and all this kind of stuff. And you have got to be more rubber. You've got to take them, let them go. Don't let them stick. And I was like, what? Who What? Who are you 
talking to? What? <laughs> Why are you telling me you this? Are. Like, just tell me I did a good job and go get your chilies. And uh, and now, after nine years of, of ministry, I'm like, yeah, man, if you ain't no rubber tree, you're going to get eaten alive. Um, you know, the, uh, the, for me, like, like the church is such a great place and it's a loving place and it's an accepting place and a place where we go for forgiveness and grace. But also sometimes like that hard fact of like, we take it out on the people that we love the most, you know, you've heard people kind of say that, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, unfortunately, like as a minister, like sometimes people don't like put the gloves on, you know, uh, and they kind of, they kind of hit hard. And as a minister, like you've really got to, um, uh, you, you've really got to take the punches and show that grace and that mercy and that love and that forgiveness. Um, and it's really difficult and really hard. And I will, I will always remember that moment with that lady because that's what she was trying to tell me. She's trying to tell me that, Hey, you've got to be prepared that somebody's going to like, listen to your sermon. And they're going to be like, yeah, I had, I had one person come up and tell me, they said, oh, I was distracted the whole time because your, your phone kept going off or your watch kept going off. And I was like, what? And, and I realized that every time I moved my wrist with that watch, it would light up, it would light up. Yeah. And so they thought like I was just getting text messages all throughout <laughs> my sermon. And I was like, really like that that's what you got out of the sermon so i mean uh, like give me a break here but i mean those are things that you're you're not prepared for but that lady like she really uh she really gave me some sound wisdom yeah i i remember taking um maybe the most memorable thing for me was one that was one of the most disappointing things um, because I took, I didn't need another old Testament class, but I took Joshua to Nehemiah just simply so I could sit and listen to Dr. Shank preach and teach and lecture. Oh yeah. And so I'm thinking, all right, it's my senior year. It's my last semester of school. Um, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to Dr. Shank basically preach 26 more sermons. Uh, because I love listening to him preach and teach. And we get into this class and he starts asking questions. Um, and, you know, all the, you know, he's taking comments, you know, the, the main ones were, can you list all the explicit mentions of the name of God? And all these, you know, it's like, you're not teaching. Like you're just sitting here asking questions and you're letting this class teach itself. Like, this is not cool, man. This is not what I signed up for. And I'm like three weeks in and I begin to realize, oh my goodness, he is actually, we are getting exactly what we want to get out of, he wants us to get out of this class. But um, even more important than sitting and listening to him preach 26 more sermons, 26 more times I get to witness him teach us how to get something out of, out of a old, old, old ancient text for ourselves. Um, And I was like... Okay, I guess that's acceptable. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in that moment, I'm thinking, this is, this is not what I wanted. Um, I wanted to listen to Dr. Shank speak. I love listening to him speak. Um, but that process of asking questions about a text of Scripture 
finding the moments where God is explicitly speaking. The Lord says, Jehovah says, um, and what God says to his people. Um, and then looking at what's going on with the people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it went through the story of Jephthah. Jephthah is not an easy story to, uh, you know, to talk about there in the, in the Judges. Um, and he made sense of it just by asking those, those questions. Um, and that's been something that, that really, um, really kind of stuck out with me as uh, it's just not something that we're very good at, I think, um, when, it, when you're dealing with something old yeah. and, and ancient like that is how do you, I know how to teach people something, but how do I teach people to teach themselves? That was, that was a valuable, valuable lesson for me to learn. Absolutely. Um, and even though I hated it, um, I'll always yeah. remember it because of that. So. Um, that's uh that reminds me of one of those things I I try to hammer into my teens, you know. There's a difference between reading your Bible, and studying your Bible, right? Um, you know, and that's one of those differences um, that you just talked about. Like there's there's a difference. Yeah, a huge difference. That's uh, you know that's really funny. That's really funny that you felt that way because I I took a class with him too, and it was I think it was like, uh, Song of Solomon. Uh, Ecclesiastes and Psalms or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh and I remember going, Yeah, I want to know what you think. And then I remember at the end of it going, This is a really good class. And <laughs> and I remember sitting in the back corner going, Okay, I'm gonna just sit and soak all this in to like going and asking him because he had a seating chart, going and asking him if I could move closer into the center because I wanted to be a part of the conversation. Like, and I felt like sitting in the back corner, like I wasn't able to like really be a part of the community. Right. Um, and now I'm like, man, he, he's a genius. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I had a, we had an art major in that class um, who took notes by drawing pictures. Um, I'm sitting there after class oh, one day and he kind of came over and asked him one about it. One of those he, people. I know. He, he was asking about it. He was like, man, he kind of said, basically, why are you here? In a non-direct way, like why are you here? And um, the guy kind of said something, you know. I just you know, thought it was interesting, you know. And he's like, "Well, I mean, are you taking notes, or you know, what's going on?" And so he opens up this notebook, and it's a sketch. I mean, it's a full-blown um, sketch of scenery. And he's like, "Yeah." And so he begins up in the mm-hmm. corner. And he said, "Well, here you kind of started talking about the people of Israel." And when we started talking about what God says, you know, God says this and this and this as he's going down through the rays of sunshine that are coming down to the land. And this is what was going on in Israel at the time. And I'm looking at that going, oh, dude, that is awesome. It's something I could never do. You know, I can draw pictures. Right. But I can't make those pictures. Speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this this stick figure is David. And uh, this little line here represents... Uh, Yikes. The trajectory yeah, of the rock. There. And the bigger the... stick figure is Goliath. I've only... <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. You can tell because he's bigger. <laughs> uh... And his head's been chopped off by David. That's right. Yeah. We always forget that part when we tell the story. <laughs> yeah, the kids don't, though. The kids, the kids find that Things part of the story. I wonder... I know. I wonder if uh, for trunk or treat this year we could do David and Goliath, and I'll just give Sam uh, like a basketball head, and he can just run around with it. <laughs> I have to send you a picture of the Goliath in our hallway. Too much. Um, he has the uh, the face of the Rock. 
Uh, oh, I've seen him. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was up yeah. when you were here. I didn't remember. I have had seen him. Dwayne the Goliath Johnson. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. I still need to like tweet a picture of that to him. And I think I actually uh... took a selfie with him. <laughs> that's right. Oh, oh! Any moments you felt like super? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh. I would be unprepared for the remake of David and Goliath if he played <laughs> Goliath. That would be amazing. <laughs> that's right. Israel. Can you smell Can you what smell Goliath that? is cooking? <laughs> Please, give me this. All right. Okay. That is I'm, such a bad tangent. I'm, I'm writing a script. No, it's okay. We can write a script. I'm calling the rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's right. Unprepared That's right. moments. Tom Cruise man, could play uh, uh, David. He's so small. He is so small. Especially uh, I rock. have the most unprepared moment. I have the most unprepared moment that I've ever felt in ministry. Um, and it takes place back in back in college. So uh, let me paint the scene for you. I got a buddy um, who lives about an hour, two hours. I don't know. Um, Oklahoma is strange to me. But anyway, he lived a couple hours away from OC, uh, invited me home. He's got a small church, maybe like 60, 80, 100 people, something like that. Um, uh, anyway, he says, yeah, hey, why don't you come home? My dad's an elder. I asked him. He said, you could preach on Sunday if you want to. Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely, man. Let's do this. That that sounds fun. We were really big into ping pong right then, right? Like that was when I was really majoring in ping pong. Um, and so, and his church was like a big ping pong church. Um, so I get there and we hang out. We play ping pong all weekend. His dad's really good. He's really good. We're having fun. It was awesome. It was a great weekend. Come Sunday, I preach uh, for this for this little church. And, you know, it's always interesting when you preach for a crowd that you don't know whatsoever. Uh, and I preach, and it was really fun. It was good. And then the church was doing like this, uh, this cookout uh, afterwards, right? And so we are we're doing this cookout, and and they're cooking, and I'm like in a half suit at this moment, and um, this this tall skinny feller asked me, he says, "Hey, you want you want to play ping pong?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Like, let me just whip out my paddle that I just had next to my Bible, you know. Uh, and so we're playing ping pong. And uh, he looks me dead in the eye after I score a point, and he says, so um, as a preacher, what do you think about birth control? <laughs> Boy, that ping pong ball just went right past me. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, hello? Uh, uh, you know, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of and I'm not stomping on anyone's beliefs when it comes to that or whatever, but as a non-married middle of college like i you know i don't know let me have a bible study on on birth control you know how do i feel about it you know and he's talking right and he's talking about within the confines of marriage like he's not this isn't a talk about premarital sex or anything like that this is a you know should a married couple practice and use birth control um you know is it god ordained or is it or are you trying to in in uh uh what's the word i'm looking for Interfere, interfere with what god is uh yeah what god's trying to do and um it uh, turns out this guy has nine children oh wow um so obviously i know what he what what his family believes and <laughs> shout out a minister again that's <laughs> that's cool and he's not a yeah <laughs> nine kids on a minister's salary is pretty rough uh 
but I just remember like I was so unprepared for that moment and what an awkward and what a weird question just to ask. Uh, I remember I just said, I looked him, I looked him back in the eye because uh, it was my service. And I said, well, I guess there's a reason why it's only 99.9% effective. <laughs> and then I hit the ball, you know, I was like, I was like, I think God can do more with that 0.1% than, uh, than we could do with a hundred percent, you know? Uh, yeah. But that was like, that was like one of those moments, like, they don't you don't feel prepared for like awkward questions that just come out of the blue um and i've been now in ministry nine years and i have been on the street and somebody's asked i've been on a plane and i said well i'm a youth minister and they say oh so what do you think of this <laughs> right and uh i mean just to like just cold cut just right to hey no relationship no friendship no backstory no nothing just you know boom jump right into this um that was one of those moments where like i just i just felt unprepared what a weird what a weird moment yeah so so the guys in my football association know i'm a minister right and so um when we you know before games it's usually you know i lead a prayer before our uh weekly meetings and uh, before we go out and and take the field for ball games and stuff but we had a guy on our crew and and i knew him but i didn't know him real well um, and he gets in the truck. We're on our way to a game site. And he says, hey, Fowler, you're a minister, right? And I said, yeah, sure am. And he hands me this pamphlet. And he says, what do you think about this? And it's from, uh, you know, the flat earthers. And it's all the scriptural evidence of why the earth is flat. Oh, nice. And so I don't know if he's handing this to me because he believes it or because he's curious about it. And so I'm like, um, okay. How do I proceed here? So I'm going to ask a few probing questions to find out if this is something this guy actually kind of believes or buys into, or is he going, hey, take a look at this thing that I got and, you know, so try to figure out where they're coming from. flat earthers. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, those questions sometimes catch you super off guard. I, um, you know, 2016, we had yeah. a, a big flood here. Um, and I'm going to tell you, they prepared us for a lot of things in school. They really didn't prepare us for walking families through um, disaster. Um, and it's, yeah, there, you know, you have this. And, and for us, like our house wasn't flooded. And so I dealt with this huge amount of survivor's guilt because day after day after day, I'm going and standing mm -hmm. in the middle of someone's life that's, you know, balled up and, and tossed out on the curb. Um, and then I'm going home and I'm sleeping in my bed. I still have power. Everything's intact. Um, and so <clears throat> I was, I was not prepared, uh, to walk that kind of emotional gauntlet of having to stand there in the midst of that mm. destruction and then go home and look at God and say, so how come I'm having to deal with all these families and help them find you in the midst of this tragedy? And then I get to come home to a house that's all intact. Um, first time I ever really understood what right. survivor's guilt was really kind of all about. Um, thankfully God placed some people in my life who kind of slapped me upside the head and said, get out of that headspace. That's Satan trying to make you ineffective. Um, here's why you are where you are and, and mm. here's why you're more equipped to do this because you can sleep at night in your own bed. Now you get to come out and you get to help these people find God in the midst of this tragedy. Um, and, uh, wow. 
it was uh i was not ready i would <laughs> i was not ready to to do that and i would just go home and just be like uh i don't know if i should eat or cry <laughs> right now because <laughs> i don't know what's going on um mm-hmm. pretty pretty unprepared oh man yeah speaking to that there's a there's just yeah, some... speaking to that i mean there's yeah go ahead <laughs> i think we have a little lag going on here <laughs> i think so um uh speak speaking to that uh um you know eating or crying moment uh i don't think i was i don't know how you prepare somebody emotionally for the for that the the stress and the guilt of ministry i think everything that we spoke to today kind of like talks and, and points towards that um um you know, you feel um, so passionate about where you're at and where you're working. And there's a lot of emotion and a lot of stress um, to us. Like the church is this big family unit. Um, mm-hmm. It is part of who I am. It's not a job. It's not like I work at Walmart and Home Depot offers me a job and I say, bye Walmart. And I go to Home Depot and it's like clean cut. Um, it's, it's very, you know, different, you know, you, uh, intertwine and, and mix your emotions. Um, the longer I'm in ministry, the more I recognize and I uh, am right there when Paul writes, you know, my heart aches for you guys, or I, I long to be with you, right. you know, and I'm like, man, Paul's really passionate about these churches. And the longer I'm in ministry, I'm like, dude, I get it. I get it. Um, something that I was, uh, and by the way, I did not, this, this came to me while we were talking and I was, unprepared to talk about this uh today on the podcast but um um <laughs> so this this is going to be fun so a man who uh who meant who means the world to me um passed away not too long ago um and his name was marshall turner um and he i have never and i don't know that i ever will i will never see somebody who lived out you know the joy of god you know that joy that god gives us Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to live in i've never seen anybody live in it more than than marshall and marshall story was probably like the saddest story that i'd ever heard you know a drunken abusive father um half siblings all over the place kind of growing up under the staircase kind of a life um you know um met a beautiful wife um, had some, you know, problems with some of his children and grandchildren, um, uh, then got bladder cancer, uh, beat cancer, came back, ended up taking his life later on in life. But if you talk to Marshall, like you would never, you would never know that any of that bad stuff was happening uh, mm-hmm. or had happened to him because he just was so thankful to Jesus and to God. And I can't remember the song. But there's a song that we sing, and um, and like you would sing it, and on the radio there's like a pause, and they say Jesus, like, and it's really good, like mm-hmm. if you have instruments and everything like that. In acapella, we kind of skip over that because we don't have that pause. And I remember teaching that song to the church, and every time Marshall would be like Jesus, <laughs> like wherever it was, and it was like so awkward and out of tune and not the right moment. But I mean, he was praising and it was so funny, but 
uh, something that I was unprepared for was was his passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he passed, I was in Kansas, um, and he was in Washington. I couldn't afford to fly back um, or any of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and like, my heart hurt, uh, and it still hurts. And right. I, I still uh, talk to his wife, Judy. This was a family that when we were struggling financially in Washington and didn't have food in the fridge, uh, didn't have money in our bank account to buy food, I don't know how. I honestly don't know how. They would show up with two bags of groceries, uh, and they'd be like, hey, we just we were just cleaning out our fridge, and uh, we just thought maybe you guys would want, want our leftovers. I'd be like, oh, you mean this, like, just now purchased, like, food? <laughs> and they would just – they would knock on our door. Bella would bark like crazy. Uh, he would play with Bella. Judy would come in, and she would put everything in our fridge. They'd love on us, pray on us, and then just leave. Yeah, like, that's awesome. I don't know how they knew. Uh, I don't know what was going on, but they would just do that. And so this was a family that was, you know, and I think something that I was not prepared for. This is this is probably a big one. This is probably a big can of worms. But uh, as a minister, allowing other people to minister to me. Right. Um, you know, I'm so used to pouring into others and being that minister. And then if I need someone to pour into me, like I go to another preacher, another minister somewhere. Uh, I call Josh. I call Terry Kitson, I call Ben Cook, you know, those are my three go-to guys uh, that I go to. Um, uh, but then allowing Marshall and Judy to minister to us. It's the first time that I have ever actually had surf and turf. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would go, they'd invite us over for dinner. They'd be like, what do you want? Do you want steak or do you want salmon? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, salmon sounds good. I'd show up. Marshall's like, well, I really wanted steak. So we cooked both. You know, and then here's garlic mashed potatoes and garlic bread and some green beans. And you just be like, like, this is so much food. And they're like, oh, by the way, here's all the leftovers. Yeah. Um, and we made enough for eight people, just, even though we only invited It's just really over. cool. Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah, so there was a. Just wild. There's a family we met in Honduras. Um, and I know, Adam, if you're watching, I know you think that. You're the reason we're here in Baton Rouge, but Lee Hill is the reason we're here in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, and he'll know kind of why that's not funny, but very, very true as well. Um, just had such a connection with her and her family. Um, powerful, powerful people raised up, you know, just a whole slew of, of kids, faithful kids. Um, but they really, um, William and Lee both really kind of took us under their wings. We became really tight friends. And um, we were here. She had kind of had some battles with cancer on and off. Um, and there was always a possibility she knew that the cancer she had would return. Um, and we were here about a year. It was in the middle of the flood that her cancer really came back strong. And uh, you could tell that she was, she was really weak a few times. And uh, her, her daughter was getting married hmm. uh, shortly after there. And I was supposed to preach her daughter's wedding in Gaston, Alabama. And uh, Lee had said she was going to be there for Caroline's wedding. And, you know, it had happened in the past. She said she was going to mm. beat it. She did. If Lee said she was going to make it to Caroline's wedding, she was going to make it to Caroline's wedding. And so everyone just assumed that either she was doing better than we thought or some way, somehow she was going to be at Caroline's wedding. Well, I get a call on a Friday night after a football game that she had passed away. So I go over to her house. Um, I preached her funeral on Wednesday, 
Um, and then on Friday, we drove to Gaston, Alabama, and on Saturday, I preached her daughter's wedding. <laughs> um, I mean, you wow. talk about running the gamut of those emotions with a family in the span of uh, seven days. Um, and then you compound that with, you know, this isn't just simply another member or someone else that you've called the minister to, but, but this is, you talked about it being, you know, family. Right. Oh, close, close, close family. Um, yeah, super, uh, absolutely, super unprepared, and it kind of, kind of throws you into those like really, really bizarre moments of man. I'm, I'm rejoicing and grieving and mourning all at the same time, you know. Um, and maybe we can talk. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to spoil those. I think some pretty powerful moments there with talking about some bizarreties. We can talk about some of the bizarre things we've done um, another time. We could probably spend a whole episode talking about some of the bizarre things we do yeah. as ministers. But, uh, um, and just... Right. How about, there's the title. Was this in my job description? <laughs> yeah. Plumber, roofer, uh, auto mechanic. Uh, right. Got anything, uh, got anything uh, I for I wish I would have learned some trade skills. Right. Got anything for these guys before we... Uh, Sign off. I just want you guys to know that, uh, you know, here at Behind the Beards, like, we love you guys. And uh, if you're a minister and if you need, uh, um, you know, an outlet or something like that, we, we've got resources sure. that we can help you connect you with other people. But we really want um, – we want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, we also want to remind you of Galatians 6, 9. I always want to remind you of Galatians 6, 9. You know, don't grow weary in doing good. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, that you don't learn enough and you can't hear enough. Uh, don't grow weary in doing good. This world's messy and life is messy. You know, you'll never learn everything you need to know. You'll never come to a place where you feel fully prepared, but you can trust God. So allow Christ to use you and do something different, something good in his name. Uh, you know, from behind the beards, this is Aaron and Josh, and we will see you all next week. I'm behind the beards. See you guys. To an all-growing beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard